Taiwan is working with the U.S. to assist women in Asia-Pacific and Southeast Asian countries. Under the Women's Livelihood Bond Program, they will help provide up to $150 U.S. million in loans to help women start businesses and otherwise build sustainable livelihoods. Taiwan has joined the U.S. on a new project. To help women in these areas improve their home environment and break the vicious cycle of poverty, Taiwan and the U.S. have decided to work together on the Women's Livelihood Bond Program. Taiwan and the U.S. share common values, which we are proactively promoting through cooperation projects in third countries. It is fitting that we build off the momentum of the dialogue and jumpstart this initiative. The U.S.-Taiwan collaboration on the Women's Livelihood Bond builds upon our existing cooperation on several successful platforms and initiatives. Back in September, Taiwan and the U.S. signed an MOU for investing in infrastructure projects in the Asia-Pacific and in new southbound policy countries. Now, Taiwan is working with the U.S. to help women in Southeast Asia and South Asia start small businesses or access credit to improve their livelihoods. With up to 150 million U.S. dollars to be offered in loans, the plan is expected to benefit three million women. It's a joy to be working with Taiwan, which in turn helps guide partner countries on their journeys to self-reliance or the day when foreign assistance is no longer necessary. In other news, reports indicate the KMT plans to send a delegation to attend the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. When asked about attending the inauguration, Taiwan's foreign minister said the event details were still unknown. The news we've received is that they are still in the planning stage. The pandemic is still severe, so it's likely that the inauguration ceremony will be much smaller than in the past. If we send dignitaries to the U.S., due to the fact that many government units, including Congress, would not be open to the public, we would not be able to get appointments with officials that we want to see. Therefore, we are still closely monitoring the situation. With just over a month till Inauguration Day, Taiwan is among those watching closely for the latest developments in Washington. The Prime Minister of Eswatini, Ambrose Delamini, has died at age 52. Although the government of Eswatini did not specify a cause of death, the Prime Minister had been diagnosed with COVID four weeks prior. He was sent to South Africa for treatment earlier this month. The late PM had made public statements supporting Taiwan on numerous occasions. Last year, he also paid a visit to attend the Double Ten National Day celebrations. President Tsai Ing-wen has extended her condolences in a statement. She remembered Delamini as a political leader worthy of respect, one who had staunchly supported Taiwan's bid for international participation. Members of the U.S.'s Electoral College are meeting across America to seal the outcome of the November 3rd presidential election. On the eve of the results becoming official, a pan-green think tank held a symposium on the future of Indo-Pacific geopolitics under President-elect Joe Biden. Experts agreed that a Biden presidency would be softer on China, though most believe Washington's policy of containment would remain unchanged. As the White House prepares for a new president, doubts are looming over the future of Trump's Indo-Pacific strategy. One scholar thinks Biden will stay the course but take different steps. The U.S.-China relationship will be recalibrated. 
there will be a recalibration. But throughout that process, the term containment will remain present. It might become a softer form of containment. The US may cooperate with China in some areas, but the relationship will be a competitive one over a rather large realm, and it will confront China over issues like human rights and military activities when necessary. Taiwan's security is no longer Taiwan's problem only. It's a global problem, a Southeast Asia problem. Japan is also very concerned, and the U.S. increasingly so. Now the U.S. leader wants to apply 20th century remedies on a 21st century problem. Such a solution will not work. It is doomed to fail. The Prospect Foundation held a symposium on geopolitics after the U.S. election. Mark Chen, head of the foundation and former foreign minister, said that if Biden walks back Trump's China strategy, the U.S. would not be able to effectively contain Beijing. Last week, the U.S. Senate and House passed the 2021 National Defense Authorization Act, which provides funding for a Pacific Deterrence Initiative. In doing so, Congress is moving to maintain Trump's China policy after the transfer of power, according to a scholar. Uh, Pacific Deterrence Initiative. Huh? This Pacific Deterrence Initiative has existed before. In other words, Congress is saying it hopes the Biden administration will continue the current policy on the Indo-Pacific. It's also telling the U.S.'s Indo-Pacific allies that Washington's Indo-Pacific policy will continue. Amid China's relentless military expansionism, tensions in the Indo-Pacific have only increased. Not only is Taiwan in a state of high alert, its East Asian neighbors are waiting warily and watching closely for Washington's next move. Drone racing is gaining popularity across the globe. Here in Taiwan, the so-called sport of the future hit new heights on Sunday with the first mixed reality drone race. Created by the Industrial Technology Research Institute with industry partners, this 5G-enabled competition featured both physical and virtual obstacles. Let's see the drones in action on this first-of-its-kind racetrack. The drones lift off and dash forward, zipping around obstacles and sprinting to the finish line. The pilots' eyes are glued to the screen as they monitor every moment. The drones navigate physical obstacles as well as virtual ones. Pilots wearing a headset are engrossed in the race, their thumbs flicking at the controller. In recent years, drone racing has taken off worldwide. It's won an ardent following in Taiwan, which has hosted the world's first mixed-reality drone race. It feels a little like playing a platform game, except you're flying. I think it's great. I've never experienced or felt anything like this before. This technology that eTree has developed can reduce latency and increase resolution. Using digital imagery can increase the interactivity. It's a bit like playing esports. The integration of the physical and virtual world is very much a breakthrough. Drones are all the rage around the world, so much so that the 2020 World Games will feature drone racing for the first time. Working with corporate partners, E2 has integrated the latest 5G technologies into competitive drone racing. The technology greatly boosts the speed at which images are transferred, reducing the real-time lag to just 0.05 seconds. Through mixed reality computing, physical and virtual obstacles are brought together to form a thrilling racetrack that can even provide feedback to pilots. A drone can travel 30 meters in just one second, so it takes only one second before it flashes past out of sight. That's why low latency is a feature that's showcased most prominently in 5G applications and drone racing. We take all these different applications and come up with more innovative applications that incorporate 5G technology. We also have others like smart medical technology. In the future, this could also be used in the Internet of Vehicles. These are all possible applications in the future. 
Integrating 5G and artificial intelligence is creating a new model for drone racing. It's also establishing a new model for industrial cooperation that helps Taiwan shine on the global stage. There's a quiet revolution taking place on Taiwan's street corners. That's right, the little green man is slowly being joined by a host of diverse green people at different locations. Whether it's a green schoolgirl in Shinzu, green senior citizens in Ilan, or a green family saga in Pingdong, crosswalk life has never been more intriguing. Here at the corner crossing, the green walk light comes on, but there's something unusual about this signal. Gone is the familiar green man in a bowler hat. Now it's a lady with a ponytail and skirt, and she's turning the heads of passersby. Usually, waiting at the red light is boring. It's fun to suddenly have something interesting. I never look at the green man. I just watch the seconds. Like if it's 30 seconds left, then I look down at my phone for 30 seconds. But if there's this new green person, then I might look a bit more. It grabs my attention, and then I might pay more attention to what's happening on the road. The ponytail bearer reigns supreme here at National Xinzhu Girls Senior High, bringing novelty to the bustling city center. The municipal government is keen to bring a spark of creativity into its facilities and a smile into daily life. They hope it will also promote road safety. The old crossing signal was a very neutral little green person. Now we specially designed the green person with a ponytail and skirt. We hope these creative crossing signals will help promote road safety in a daily way. But Xingzhu's green population is not the only one in flux. Ilan has a new elderly green couple. Head to Pingdong for this whole green society. Family, grandpa and progeny and romantic couple who turned the crosswalk into a tiny theater. We hope the surprise will make walking the streets pleasant for people, a relaxed, safe environment. Creative spatial design makes for a more comfortable pedestrian environment. Next time you're taking a stroll on the city street, make sure your eyes aren't glued to your phone. With a little attention on the world around you, you never know what delights you might spot. Trains are running again on the section between New Taipei's Reifang and Houdong stations, 10 days after a landslide suspended service. Repairs are still underway on a section of the West Main Line struck by the same landslide. Service on the West Mainland is expected to resume in a month. At long last, the rail section between Reifang and Houdong stations reopened early Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Locals were thrilled to be getting the trains back. The first train of the day left Badu at 4.57, arrived in Reifeng at 5.11, and passed through the section hit by a landslide at 5.16. It pulled into Houdong Station at 7.18, one minute behind schedule. We saw the train pass the Reifeng Houdong section very smoothly. Only at this section will there be a speed limit of 40 kilometers an hour. This will slightly affect the schedule, but the delays will stay within 5 to 10 minutes. The first train wasn't the only one to see delays. All trains along the eastern corridor ran late on Monday. Outside the Elan railway station, a long queue of cars formed to pick up delayed passengers. Although the East Main Line is up and running, five of its trains will stay suspended until Tuesday. As for the West Main Line, repairs to improve slope stability are expected to continue for another month. The TRA is planning more intensive infrastructure repairs to reinforce slopes and improve safety along the two lines. This project is expected to take at least a year. Taizong Mayor Lu Xiaoyan says her city's MRT system will not launch as scheduled on December 19. 
The decision came after a malfunction on November 21 led to the early end of the system's trial run. Mayor Lu said Taichung would seek compensation from the system's developer, which is the Taipei City Department of Rapid Transit Systems. Let's go to her now. I would like to apologize to all residents for this decision. Taipei's Rapid Transit System Department and Kawasaki Heavy Industries have produced a report on the cause of the malfunction and the repair schedule for the Taichung MRT Green Line. But due to lingering concerns, it is impossible for the system to formally launch on the 19th. We're willing to face criticism if it means we can ensure the system is safe. If they seek compensation, they'll be filing a subrogated claim. As for how long it will all take, it all depends on Kawasaki Heavy Industries. I think that if it really takes too long, you should seek compensation if you can. So far, there's no indication that the system will be up and running in the near future. The last few months before Lunar New Year are high season for the home improvement industry. This year, with the pandemic keeping many people at home more than ever, demand for home renovations is sky high. Some tradesmen say they're already fully booked until next Lunar New Year. Already decades old, this type sputters and leaks. But with a few toodles here and a few pulls there, this plumber has a shower head replaced. Fixed in no time. The toilet seat is cracked and the screw fitting loose. It needs replacing too. There are long cracks in the wall tiles from changes in the temperature and earthquake wobbles. To give a bathroom like this a complete makeover takes at least a month. The waterproofing takes a month, then it needs thoroughly finishing off. You need to book three months in advance. It's all booked up now. Bookings coming out of my ears. Plumbers have more work than they can finish in the three months leading up to the Lunar New Year. You need to book at least 50 days in advance. Experts say bathroom refurbs are the most popular. Second in demand is a kitchen makeover. A complete refit of the kitchen appliances plus the cabinets is a big job. The third most popular task is replacing a home's lights. This year, we've seen lots of consumers spending more time at home because of the pandemic. They have higher standards for the quality of their home life. We've seen pre-Lunar New Year renovations inquiries grow by 20%. Of that, 40% of customers are choosing first to renovate their bathroom. With COVID-19 in the air, many people are at home a lot and will be spending more in spring cleaning or refurbishments than usual. Some home improvement stores have sales on or are offering five-year warranties to sweeten the deal. The annual Lunar New Year banquet for the homeless and other vulnerable citizens is entering its 31st year. But this year, the goodies will be delivered to banqueters in place to comply with social distancing. Organizers are still looking for donations to fund the event, and Taiwanese Turkish entertainer Yuri Karlova has stepped in to drum up support. Comedian Ugar Karlova acts the part of a delivery man to promote the annual Lunar New Year banquet for the homeless. This year, the banquet will be a remote celebration. We've got everything, and we hope people will do their part to help our friends in need, our friends on the streets. This year, we want everyone to have a rich and blessed New Year. This year, I decided to donate 1,800 bottles of fruit juice.
In years past, the event has brought together 40,000 people on 4,000 banquet tables, but this year it will be spread out via delivery for the first time. The operation has also been scaled back to just 20,000 banqueters, but the dishes will be the same classic New Year fare. Most of these things are in cans or packets, so they can just put them in hot water and boil them for 10 to 15 minutes. Then just take it out and you've got a piping hot meal. This year, we've only got about 10% of what we need so far, so it's looking very hard right now. The organizers are appealing for more help to give those on the streets a hot New Year meal. It's been a difficult year for Karlova, too. Five members of his family back home in Turkey caught COVID-19 this year. My little sister has recovered now. She's fine. Basically, for us younger people, we can count on recovering quicker. But we're more worried about our aunt. She's 77 now. Karlova is a naturalized Taiwanese citizen and has thanked Taiwan for its good handling of COVID. Now he hopes his adopted homeland will join him in supporting its vulnerable citizens over the festive period. A photography class in Tainan is giving people with disabilities the chance to explore the hidden beauty of light. Students are encouraged to experiment with contrasts of light and darkness using simple smartphone technology and household objects. The results are mesmerizing. Portraits and still lives jump from the screen. With this much movement in the photos, you'd never know they're taken by amateurs with normal smartphones. <laughs> One student takes care of the lighting, the other the arrangement, while the director gets the angle right. Seated in the wheelchair is Xu Wanting, and this is her mother, Chen Yuezhu. Their lives have been transformed since taking the class Dancing with Light. She says to me, let's turn the light off, or quick, turn the light on for me. And she brings out all kinds of bits and bobs from the house and starts saying, how do you think this is? Does that look good? We put an old phone slide at the side and then take photos. It's completely different. Tainan Torch Foundation has invited photography teacher Liu Wanrou back to give photography greenhorns an introduction in her lively style. The class is great for their confidence and gets them creating art straight away. As I watch them in class taking photos, I also feel amazed. I'm often gobsmacked by the photos they produce. I'm learning from them. A simple loofah, twig or leaf can all produce incredible images just with skillful use of a hand torch or a phone light. At this exhibition, the students' work was on sale in postcard form. The Torch Foundation hopes the art will open the eyes and hearts of viewers to the miracles hidden in daily life.